Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And today on Books That Burnt, I have a guest. Would you please introduce yourself? Hello, my name is David, avid Batman enthusiast. Which is extremely relevant because today we are discussing Batman Nightwalker by Marie Lu. Uh, I'm... And Go. I was going to say we're actually doing this at this particular time as part of a Batman celebration on the Certain Point of View network, but... This episode is timeless, and it doesn't matter when you come across it. Uh, it will be like our normal episodes. We're just releasing it right now because of a thing. So when I got the message uh, that this was going to happen, I instantly said yes because it's an ex- mm-hmm. it's excuse to talk about Batman, which I'll take any opportunity for because this is a character I've loved for eleven years now. Also, love Nicole, uh, which is important. <clears throat> Because, you know, that's our sibling. But also, David, today, you're with Robin to talk about Batman. Yeah. Yeah, which is exciting. I was going to say it's Batman and Robin talking together, but you haven't gone by Batman since you were, like, five. Yeah, it stopped being cute a couple years ago. Uh, Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, (laughs) I have a 15-year-old running around. (laughs) I'm Batman. Uh... But anyway, um, so for our factions, we have Bruce, Alfred, Madeline, Diane, Richard, Harvey, Cameron, Detective Dracon, Dr. James, and Lucius Fox. Might be Lucius Fox. Yeah, uh, it, it depends. Uh, Lucius yeah. works. I know Lucius is at least a way to say that. Yeah. For our first topic, we have Richard and emotional abuse. Yes. Uh, It's very clear from the get-go. I think this is the one that uh, stood out to me most because, to my knowledge, uh, even if uh, he is not an original character, he is not a common character that you often see. Mm -hmm. And from the get-go, 
<clears throat> he is very much unlikable, but he is lashing mm-hmm. out a lot at uh Bruce because Bruce is uh his father's favorite child, and the worst part is they're not related. Uh yeah, it's a little tough when your favorite kid is like we're not even <clears throat> this isn't even a like birth versus adoption scenario. Oh, this no. is a literally not in his family, someone else is his dad's favorite kid and bruce doesn't think of himself as richard's sibling he doesn't think of himself as richard's dad's kid nothing richard's dad just likes somebody else yeah and like i get that richard and bruce are friends that's why uh the dad has such a high opinion of bruce however they haven't hung out for years and still to like the very end he's like so bruce how is he doing anytime the son would bring up his accomplishments you'd be like and where did bruce place in this i'm sure it's higher than you yeah it's like i'm the top 10 in my class oh where's bruce in that and it's like come on top 10 is is really <laughs> good it's like mm, sounds fake where's bruce in this but and that is more conversation than they have about it. Yeah. They have less conversation than my joke recreation of their conversation. They have just just nothing. Just nothing. Um yeah, like he his his dad like constantly wants to know where Bruce is in relation to him. And uh so that there's there's a thing that is really important to this discussion because we're talking about like emotional abuse by a parent of a child mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there are uh more ab- emotionally abusive things oh, yeah. that can happen but part of why we wanted to talk about Richards you know like you said is he's either an original character to this story or at least not a very common character for Batman stories and uh, Richard is so traumatized by the cumulative years of this when we only get like some small description of it. But this is the kind of like in book implicit, possibly a little bit explicit justification for what Richard is going to help other people do to his father. I don't really necessarily want to get into, like, what happens to Richard's dads, because, like, that's well, not the topic. Yeah. But in terms of, like, setting up the world and the story and how the author is approaching this, it does seem to be <clears throat> implicit in the text that this is, uh, this is like, the worst thing that his dad did to him. Like, they're, they're yeah. completely other character who is dealing with like physical and other kinds of emotional abuse from a parent that isn't Mm -hmm. this character Uh, and he treats it like enough for him to do this thing to his dad so because this is a book from strictly Bruce's perspective we don't get a full timeline of how things go down in his I guess you'd say turn to the dark side we're not sure Mm -hmm. if this was his last ditch attempt or if this was uh like he tries other stuff he tries lying and cheating to get his dad's approval none of Mm -hmm. it works uh so his turn to the dark side is uh, questionable and like but it is he tried so hard he broke all the rules and 
well, I will say is to not get into spoilers for what happens is he didn't he tried to teach his dad a lesson and it ended up costing him a very big price. Yeah, and it 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 seemed to me like he kind of one like Bruce had no idea that this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um and it's hard to know whether this is Bruce being <clears throat> oblivious or whether it's really that Almost all of it happened when Bruce literally wasn't in the room. And I I do lean a little bit more towards that for this particular thing, especially with like how aware he is of what's going on with his other friend. Um, But it, it, Richard seems to justify not just what he does to his dad, but that because Bruce didn't do things to help him, even though he didn't know about the situation. That Bruce doesn't do things to affirmatively help him get out of it. And, you know, he asks him to help him fake an internship, like stuff like that. Because Bruce won't go along with it, Richard seems to, there seems to be the implication that Richard uses that to justify how he is going to turn against Bruce, not just his dad, but also this other person. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Cause like it, I don't think it comes like right out and has it be that like, no, it actually might like, you know, he was willing to try and wreck Bruce's life. Yeah. Because of Bruce being, like that image that his father like constantly held him to, but he literally couldn't live up to. And no, it's just something I also want to add to that. Uh, sorry, cut you off a little bit. Is uh, okay. How uh, kind of there's no getting around the fact that in this book Richard's an ass. Uh, whoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's a, he's a jerk. He's a mean face. Uh, he <laughs> does things that are bad and questionable. But even without the uh, illegal stuff he does, he is very callous that he has been so... He's hit the brunt of this emotional abuse so much that he is callous with other people's pain and to the point where he sees uh, Bruce's parents dying as a gift and he's like, and you've got your fortune at 18. And... Yeah, like he kind of assumes that Bruce... Because, like, his father is so awful, like, he can't relate to the idea that someone might like their parents and be sad that the parents are dead. And uses, yeah, he he is like, well, you know, you don't have parents and you do have money. I have parents and don't have money. See how awesome your life is, Bruce? And Bruce is like, no, nah, I, I, I loved my family and... I am. I am, have been so rich for so long that saying the words I might not have money doesn't actually have an emotional impact on me. I could understand that that's bad, but I can't, like, conceptualize how fundamentally that would transform my life. You know, it doesn't say... that. That's kind of the vibe that I get. Yeah. Bruce emo- immediately reacts to, no how how dare you bring up my parents like that yeah he's so callous to how bruce feels about his parents that bruce uh 
knocks him down before Bruce even realizes what happens is how angry he got mm-hmm. him. And to and to say something else is that Richard is being mad that his dad's constantly on his case in a very unfair way. He's like, and you uh-huh. don't have parents. But Bruce has Alfred, who is constantly hard on Bruce because it's making him like a good person. And Alfred is caring about him. And Alfred's not emotionally abusive. He's just tough on him because he loves him, which is different between... Different from how, like, Richard's father acts, but he doesn't even see Alfred as, like, a father figure. It's like, that doesn't even matter. You don't get it still. Yeah, and I should keep in mind that, like, we don't know... Well, it... it, it Richard <clears throat> definitely spins it, like, it is nothing positive, it is only this. Um, I don't think we know for sure that this is the only thing. And also, like... Uh, I don't know, like, on the scale of things that are emotionally abusive, if this is the only interaction with your child that's extremely abusive, if it is just one of a bunch of ways you try to motivate your child, I don't know, seems a little weird. Uh, I, I don't I don't recommend it. It seems awful. Yeah. But it's not, like extremely horrible yeah it's if like every once if like every once in a while you're like oh yeah you know how how did your friend compare but yeah but the the knee jerk well how'd bruce do that's that's where it gets gets weird yeah he was a he's a weird cat he's weird to put him in a category because uh not to like compare traumas like your trauma is not nearly as bad but like it is the on the situation of like yeah it's not terrible but it's also not it's not positive yeah it's not positive and it's definitely even if it doesn't seem that bad it definitely took a toll on him and the fact that his father didn't notice and didn't care is like Mm -hmm. one of the big reasons why we decided to place him on this list oh yeah on to cameron and medical trauma uh we're going to make it as far as we can in this without having major spoilers, but we might hit a point where we start having spoilers. We'll try to give you a heads up. All right. So before the events of this book, Cameron had uh, some kind of infection and it says that his joints were eaten by bacteria. Uh, I okay, It was at least his elbows. I don't know how many of his joints. I got the feeling that it was elbows and knees, but I'm not totally sure. Um, and... Oh, no, okay. I think we've hit... <laughs> yeah. The next bit in the notes <clears throat> is a major spoiler. All right, so that uh, happened to him and was really bad. And if you don't want major spoilers... Um, just skip this section. Stop here. Skip this section. Uh, so, all right. News Spoilers flash. from here. So originally, we are told that he died from it, but actually, he got like artificial joints, and he got them in a way that, like, you can see on the outside of his body that he has artificial joints, which was a little bit weird to me. Like, I know it's like the whole comic book like aesthetic and whatever, yeah. but like real people in the real world get like artificial knees and hips and i haven't heard of artificial elbows but i wouldn't be like extremely shocked to find out that that was a thing you could do um but the way that he gets it like you can see on the outside like 
some metal something like he is like visibly different because of this um and so like originally we're told like that his mom murdered the doctor who was responsible because the doctor killed her kid yeah uh but then it turns out that what actually happened is the doctor took money but didn't treat him right and his joints were eaten by the bacteria but then he also got like the artificial joint things so i'm i'm really fuzzy on whether the doctor actually did some kind of malpractice um because because it's something else to note on that is that we are lied to and then we are lied to again so yeah bruce is being told things by an unreliable narrator like bruce i think is a generally reliable narrator but he gets told things by other people and the person who's conveying this information definitely lies to him about some things uh it's it's very difficult to tell what happens uh cameron's death justifies murder but then him not being treated justifies murder however there's evidence of at least some treatment so yeah because he has the joints so like where did he get those if not from a doctor like okay maybe it's not the same doctor but because we know that the not to get too hung up on the details, but we know that the doctor, they went to that doctor because they didn't really have, they didn't have any or they didn't have the best health insurance. Right. Uh, so. Oh, is it, is it that in the bad health insurance, you still get your joints replaced, but people can see it from the outside? Because if that's what bad health insurance is in, in Batman land, uh, that. I don't know if it's a step up. I feel bad being like, is that a step up? But anyway. It's not explicit uh, that way. It's not, that's not like a canonical thing to just Gotham in general. Uh, Health insurance, it's really, we're not sure because we can't trust that the murders or the not murders were or weren't justified because they may or may not have happened and may or not be because he lived or he died or because he just got bad care altogether. But an effort was made. Yeah, because, like, there's a world of difference between this person did nothing and my child died versus this person tried their best, but it still wasn't enough and my child died versus this person tried and my child didn't die, but I'm still upset all the way to they didn't do anything, but also the child lived and I'm still upset enough to murder them. Like, I'm... It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, I believe we don't get a ton of information about the medical trauma because, like, we don't get Cameron's perspective. And yeah. by the time we see him, he has, uh, he has this modification that allows him to function as if he didn't have this thing. I, I think I remember someone saying something about sugar pills. So maybe he, I, because the way it was originally described, I thought, he didn't get the medication, so he died, and then that's what happened. Or he did- oh, like they they told him. Oh yeah. So like maybe they, they did like an meds, operation. The sugar pills. Yeah. So maybe they did an operation, and then he was in constant pain, and then 
because he got sugar pills and it's like placebo effect maybe it'll work and the mom was like i'm gonna kill you for that so but even then at that point it's like not like a rough move but that's not like i'm not gonna say that what the doctors did it's all right because it's not i'm just also saying like that's a it's a really hard justification for murder uh and i have no problem believing that a doctor uh was doing that in Gotham City. It's in it's Gotham, Gotham City, City specifically. Yeah, yeah. It's I like it the, is the this uh, is a city where car- the Joker cartoonish levels of everything, including corruption. Yeah, this is, is like it how is, Gotham works. The, the way Gotham works entirely is basically it is a city that is so bad the police justify having a billionaire have a twelve year old as a partner in crime fighting and they're like we'll be fine with this even though that's clearly child endangerment uh Mm -hmm. yeah like the joker can pretend to be your dentist and they won't know it until it's the last minute (laughs) uh and so like i have no problem believing that their security and like gotham's medical situation is complete matter crap but at the same time i'm again like he didn't die so i don't think this justified murder yeah, and I don't want to, like, go into, I don't want to try and guess at, like, what would have had to happen to justify murder, because, like, you know, Gotham City's whole deal is that a bunch of people think that things are, which are way below, no matter what that threshold is, these things are below it, but then people still think that is enough, and then Batman punches them. Like, that, to, to me, as someone not steeped in Batman things, that's the vibe I get from Gotham City. Somebody decides that a thing is worth killing people over, and then Batman punches them. Uh, this book didn't change uh, that impression for me. Uh, yeah, my. Yeah. Uh, but the parallels so, between this and a lot of other stories I noticed instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this reminded me kind of of Mister Freeze. Uh, mm-hmm. His wife. Uh, had McGregor syndrome, which was a, a disease that some people speculate is close to like lung cancer. It's not mm-hmm. officially confirmed. Uh, he tried to save his wife by using company resources. Uh, and when the owner found out about it, he decided to pull the project. Victor tried to stop him, ended up getting turned to Mister Freeze. Uh, mm-hmm. so like it is that kind of level of yes, he's misusing three million like three million dollars of company resources into saving his wife. On the other hand. The businessman, I understand being mad that you're losing money, but you tried to kill two people over yeah. that. It's that kind of situation. Like, you're both in the wrong, but it is who deserves less punching because Batman needs to punch someone to cope. <laughs> yeah. So the last thought that I that I had about this, actually, you had pointed this out from, like, your uh, definitely more encyclopedic uh, knowledge of, of Batman things. So... You 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 had said something about um, Batman villains who actually start killing people are more likely to be punished by the narrative by dying or appear to die, and definitely spoilers. Uh, Cameron does actually die at the end, mm-hmm. um, which fits that because like in this he's the one who actually kills people, whereas Madeline doesn't actually kill people and we are left with the impression that she probably survives this. And so narratively, she's rewarded by not actually being the one to pull any triggers or actually kill somebody. 
but uh, Cameron dies. Yeah, and a lot of Batman stories, there is the the theme of uh kind of karmic justice in a sense unless you're a very popular character in which case dc will keep bringing the joker back but rather in Uh a sense of it is everyone gets the trauma and they have to deal with it and usually by the end of the story again if you're not super popular if it's just the one-time character they will die by the end uh in mask of the phantasm uh not without spoiling it uh there is a character who can't let go of their anger that bruce really cares about uh, and it is, they don't die by the end, it's revealed, but Bruce thinks they did. Uh, and cause they choose, they chose revenge over love and caring about people, letting it go. And happens again in Batman Returns and Batman's punishment uh, in a way, uh, for not letting go of that pain and being able to get past of it is watching everyone he kind of commits, uh, not commits, meets do the exact same thing, except he watches them do it over and over again. Uh, but generally, unless you're super popular and DC wants to keep you in the, like the, in the, in the cards for future stories, you'll mm-hmm. die because you couldn't let it go. And Cameron does right. quite horribly. Yeah. Uh, shoot first, yeah, ask questions later. Yep. On to Bruce and Madeline, death of parent. Uh, they are not siblings. This is the death of their respective parents. They better not so. be siblings. <laughs> yeah, they had better not be siblings. Uh, <laughs> that's that's true. Um, they get up to just enough that it would be very bad. Uh, uh, so part of them bonding is like Madeline talking to Bruce about his parents' death and comparing it with her mother's death and kind of like having a conversation with him about grief that at least in this continuity, no one has had with him. Um, And from the perspective of someone else who has kind of been through this, been through like something similar. I don't remember if we know anything about Madeline's dad, but it, um, cause a lot of the focus is on the things with her mom and her brother. Um, I mean, knowing Gotham, it probably didn't end well for her father. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably not. Or maybe he was never in the picture. Like we don't know. Um, I mean, either way, uh, it's Gotham and yeah. they're very obviously <laughs> not of the higher, the upper crust. So it probably right. didn't end well. Uh, by cop or because they couldn't pay for medical insurance Uh uh-huh um yeah but but also it's gotham so being in the upper crust doesn't save you either that's true because the the people at the bottom of the crust hate you and then they murder you which is the the entire point of this book yeah yeah yes um but yeah it, it helps him feel understood and in terms of like narratively I don't know, because it it seems like in any given continuity, you have to take 10 minutes to look in the camera and say, hey, by the way, this is Batman. Here's how his parents died. And even in a book where he never goes by Batman because this is before any of that happened. 
They still have to take 10 minutes and look at the camera and go, his parents are dead and he's super sad about it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's up there with the requirements. Uh, it's it's yeah. more important than showing him in the suit or talking about how he's wearing the suit. Uh, yeah, it is canonically more important than him being in the suit. It is... It is a fundamental part of his character that we go over it, and like some audiences, I'm so sick of hearing about this, but it is pivotal point in his character that the whole point of his character is he can't let go of that moment. It is mm-hmm. ingrained in his head. No matter how old he gets, he is always the 8 to 10 year old boy who is stuck in that alley with his dead parents' bodies. Yeah, and because he can't move past it, the audience can't move past it. And, like, even this, this is just, like, having someone have a conversation with him about it is, like, step one of grieving. And, no, he's not going to do more steps in this book. What are you talking about? No, he just, you know... it. But, it like, it helps them bond, and then that ends up being important for various plot things. Um... And since, you know, the Bruce, Bruce's parents' death has been uh, done to In- death, Madeline's uh, entire plan is a revenge mission driven by her mother's death. Uh, we talked a little bit about why, what about things going on with her mother in the previous topic. Um, so this is going to start to have spoilers that are specific to this book. And if you didn't know that Batman's parents were killed in an alley, I'm really sorry <laughs> that we are the ones who brought you that spoiler. Uh, and to s- But I also accept that that's probably a kind of person who exists because, you know, 10,000 people a day learned that that is a thing. You got to find out sometime. Yeah. Um, uh, to sum up Bruce's with- character real quick, he is stuck in the second and fifth stage of grief, which is anger and depression. Yeah. Just, just forever. Um, so anyway, with Madeline, with this particular story, her entire plan is based on revenge for her mother's death. Uh, narratively, like, you know, picking that as the thing for this character who's going to be around Bruce. Like, it works as, like, a bonding thing. It works as this point of commonality when kind of, like, the arc of the story... The arc of the story isn't hey did you know that millionaires and billionaires are actually just the same as poor people like that is not the Mm -hmm. art i don't think i would uh, like this as much as i do if that were the arc but the arc is hey like we're all like people important and people and if put in these bad situations we will act badly anyone would i don't know that that just seems kind of a little bit more of the focus to me and then madeline also has this thing um this theory of like how people will react after tragedy if you want to talk a bit about that uh there are two kinds of people who come out of tragedy and while it's never what the split the second one isn't explicitly said but it's the first person comes out more hopeful and optimistic and the other is heavily implied to not come out that way to come out darker and colder and alone and in most batman stories there is i noticed that the connection between how madeline acts and the joker acts so they're definitely two distinct different characters but it is the 
anyone can go mad with just one bad day is one like the lines it's not exact line i can't remember the exact line at this moment uh in a batman story uh and batman came out caring for human life more and the joker and madeline well madeline uh didn't come out of it caring less for human life but they came out colder and more alone and angry and uh it's kind of like that with batman and the joker in the sense that the joker doesn't care uh he'll kill anyone because that trauma was so traumatic to whatever his backstory is whatever one you think about was so terrible uh that he went insane and it is that is a like a pivotal theme in like any batman stories these things will happen because of the world we live in and it's how you come out of it and uh even if you come out of it on the more hopeful side you still might be a a sad billionaire dressing up in tights to beat the mostly people who are in poverty uh (laughs) that's not fair i mean there are people who are in poverty and it's more on a what your crime is basis and he yeah it's batman's not the bestest of characters i love the character but uh yeah (laughs) he's not a great person and like even in this well he's uh a kid like the trajectory of it is like no matter how good or bad this book ends he's still on the trajectory that's going to have him become Batman. Like, even that he's, you know, just chasing after criminals because he's, like, stressed out and takes a joyride. Like... Yep. uh, With, like, the... the... the bravado to say, hmm, I am closer than the police are yeah physically to this criminal and i have a faster car the kind how about i go get them it's okay i am a child and this will be fine the kind of attitude that says i'm gonna ram them with my own car because i don't care about consequences (laughs) yeah he's very angry and upset constantly and like i don't want to like make it seem like bruce like i said like depression and that's like bruce has his days and he's fine most of the time but there's no getting around the fact that he can't get over like no matter how happy he is at any point like he can't get over the death of his parents and he's so sad constantly even when he's happy Mm -hmm. he's sad yeah like for all that he like has friends in this book like, and, and, you know, part of this is definitely narrative focus, but he doesn't, like, hang out with them ever. Like, we're told that Diane and Harvey are his close friends, but they spend almost no time together. And when they do try to spend time together by going to a thing, he ditches them to do plot important stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, he just, he he can't let this go. And it is fundamental to the character writ large that he can't and i you know they this this one pairs him with another character who can't let a very similar trauma go and it narratively it works out all right uh madeline has her issues she she didn't come out hopeful but she didn't come out like as bad as it gets for gotham 
uh battle mm-hmm. could be a lot worse because she still has a not a code of not killing people but is not a fan of murder mm-hmm. uh and uh has a code that bruce and her uh they connect on and for what it's worth they even when they're at each other's throats it's not terrible i did think it was interesting that their code seems to involve like getting right up to the edge of like what deaths are and aren't murder (laughs) yeah like yeah yeah know rob thomas has been writing since the mid 90s the matchbox 20 guy no the guy behind veronica mars oh and i zombie and cupid party down the cupid reboot i haven't seen those me neither but we should watch them and then talk about them on our podcast yes we could call it the rob thomas no not that one robcast every other tuesday with alex and mj find us at not that robcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts on to the wrap-up and ratings for Batman Nightwalker. For the gratuity rating for emotional abuse. I... <sighs> okay, I I really think that this was, like, mild <coughs> to moderate. We get a description... Okay, maybe moderate. I get We get a description of what his dad does Mm. but like we get literally the barest possible description to say what it is how do you feel about this one uh i'm kind of i'm also between mild and moderate because like some like the when it comes to like the trauma i'm also thinking about like uh the the medical trauma and like getting hit a lot well this well this is just the emotional abuse. This is, oh, this is just the emotional abuse. This uh, is literally only the emotional abuse. Uh, I think I'm on the side of moderate. Medical trauma and parental death will get their own rating. I think, I think I'm on the side of mild. Mild, yeah. Okay, now, for the medical trauma, um, uh, so that's completely backstory. Yeah. Like, that's, that's backstory. Now, parental death. It is still backstory. Do you think there's enough of a discussion of it that it kicks it up to moderate? You just think it's backstory? I think it's just backstory. I think the how it relates to the two characters is very important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then... Four. Okay. Uh, all right. Four. We're gonna do each trauma one by one. Is it integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant? So if it's integral, that means you cannot take it out. You can't change it. You can't do anything. If you change it in any way, it will fundamentally alter the entire story. Mm-hmm. Then um, integral. Or sorry. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, integral is you can't do anything, can't touch it. Interchangeable is you needed something, but it didn't have to be that thing. And then irrelevant is that you could, like, remove it, take it out completely, whatever, and it it won't really touch the plot at all. 
All right. The emotional abuse. I I think it's interchangeable. Mm. Or do you think it's irrelevant? I I was leaning on the side of integral because the character doesn't need to happen for the story to work, but because the character's in the story, specifically for the trauma, the motivation of that, I think it is integral, otherwise it would not work. I am going to go with interchangeable, and here's why, and so this plays off of what you were saying. So, when you start with, the story might still work even if we don't have the character at all, it can't be integral. Mm. If you can ditch the entire character, then that also removes that trauma. That means that that trauma isn't necessary to the story. Mm. But then if you say, okay, given that the character is there, the character needed something, that can get you to interchangeable, Mm. but not all the way to integral. So with that, do you think it's interchangeable or irrelevant? It's interchangeable. Okay. All right. There's enough plot things that it would be disruptive if the character were gone, yeah. but the character didn't need this motivation. Okay. Uh, then the medical trauma. All right. I actually think that this is irrelevant. Mm. There's enough like confusing things around it to the point that I'm actually a little fuzzy on the whole like constellation of things that are tied into this trauma and what exactly happened and what the motivations were and there's the likelihood that maybe like a bunch of stuff was lying about this so that to me what actually happened doesn't seem to be very important at all Mm -hmm. and like it could have been that something completely different happened. And it could even have been nothing happened and this is just the lie that they're telling Bruce. Mm. I don't think they're lying, but I think the story still completely functions if it didn't actually happen as a trauma and they're just lying. Yeah. Well, yeah. If it was that they had to swap it out with a different trauma, that would be interchangeable. But they could be lying and there was no trauma and it would still work. Yeah, because there's still other things that happen in Gotham that would make that their their point of view work. Yes, they it didn't have to happen to them to make this a thing that they would be motivated to. Yeah, or specifically medical trauma. It could be uh, it's because it's well. That would turn it into interchangeable. I'm saying that nothing had to happen to them. Yeah. If it was that a different thing needed could would still have to happen to them, that's interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's interchangeable? I think it's more er- interchangeable because I think okay. if it happened to someone else, I don't think it would have worked as well. I think that, yeah, it's more interchangeable than ir- irrelevant. Okay. Something had to happen, but it didn't have to be this. Yeah. Okay. Then for parental death. Okay. It is, it is integral because this is a Batman story. Yes. Like if it, if that isn't in the backstory, then this isn't about Batman. Um, and for that reason alone, if you're, it is integral. If you're the main, if you're the parent of a main character in a Batman story, you should be sweating bullets. 
Yeah. It's kind of like being a Disney character's parent. You're not, it's not, it's (laughs) not going to end well. Yeah. All right. Um, For the, was it treated with care? So for each trauma, was it treated with care? Was it treated with just enough care? Was it not enough care, but they tried? Or was it just like, no, it doesn't seem like they were trying to treat it with care. Uh, for the emotional abuse, um, now keeping in mind that like we said this was mild, so like I don't think it um, gets, it doesn't like get really bad in the actual book. I don't think, to me, this wasn't really treated with care. Mm. Like, there's very little cushion around it. Like, the reveal of it has kind of a feeling of, like, a little bit being played for shock value, where, like, Bruce had no idea and then finds out that this was happening. And if it had been, like, a, there are other traumas with, where if they were treated in that way, it, it would be really, really shocking because of how mild this portrayal is. It doesn't, like, have that shock value, but I think it's treated similarly to ones that don't have care. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. What do you think for the medical trauma? Uh, it's really hard to say. I don't have the best uh, gauges for these things. Uh, okay. From how I remember it was brought up, it was... It wasn't really surprise or shock value, uh, mm-hmm. but I also don't know if it was. There's also I don't think there was like cushion. I don't think it was out of nowhere, but I also don't think it was like cushioned in any way, really. So maybe like enough. Yeah, just enough care. Yeah, like it worked, but it wasn't like taking a bunch of care. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for death of parents. Um. Okay. Given that for this, you actually have, like, a bunch of knowledge about, like, how other stories about this exact character have treated this exact trauma. Like, how do you think it it rates? Like, how much care do you think was taken in this particular rendition? Uh, with the... With the knowledge that... Uh, it's hard to remember, uh, because how it pops up, it's like, I think in the first couple pages, it's immediately apparent, but the death, the death of Bruce's parents, it's like, anytime you read a Batman book or read a Batman story or just watch anything Batman, it's gonna come up. So it didn't really, again, it didn't phase me at all. Uh, however, yeah, Bruce's parents' death isn't played for shock value. Uh, it's uh-huh. not a shocking thing that happens. It is a detail. And because of that, I think I'm either going to go with, I'm between care and enough care because it's, okay. let's go with enough care. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not like treat it without care. However, like if you're going into this book and you know a thing about Batman, it's not going to be, it's not going to be too much or out of nowhere to you. Okay. All right, we have two ratings that are actually, well, one rating and then one uh, segment that are actually new since the last time you were on the podcast. 
And if, uh, to our audience, if you're like, wait, when was the last time David was on the podcast? Um, when we were doing live streams, he was on a bunch of live streams. And then also, he is the guest for the first um, group of patron-only bonus episodes, which are releasing right now. Uh, we're partway through that, so that's discussing Percy Jackson. Uh, discussing the, the first uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians series by Rick Riordan. Uh, and David is the guest on those. So, uh, since we were doing those with you, we were recording those, we have added a rating. Uh, and that rating is, how clear is the moral directionality? So, if the moral directionality is, like, really clear, that means that kind of... There's only like there there's the things that are good, there's the things that are bad, and there's like a really clear direction of like what we're supposed to agree with. If it's tangled, then it's like each of these characters has their own morality in the book, or one way it can look is that each of these characters have their own morality in a way that the book is keeping track of it. And you can kind of like think that a bunch of people are right or wrong, but it's like so, like, there's a bunch of perspectives, but it's still easy to keep track of. Then in the middle, we have that it's muddy. Like, maybe it's muddy because you don't have a sense of how all the characters are. Maybe it's muddy because you don't have a sense of what the book uh, is pushing you to think about the situation or who to root for. Um, what do you think this is? Uh, it's muddy. Yep, uh... Yeah, I'm glad we're in agreement. It's 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 so muddy. Any Batman story is muddy because that is the only way it works. <laughs> yeah. You can't pick And this one is definitely muddy. You can't pick a side of the ideology or uh the two sides of whether in this book it's usually the the poor and the impoverished or the upper high class. It's not There are definitely downsides to how both how one party treats the other and how one party reacts uh there is no clear direction to what should be done and that is the conflict in any batman story it's always muddy well so i don't think you can necessarily say that all batman stories are muddy i think maybe there might be some that are tangled they are not going to be clear mm, for yeah. sure um but so is this one tangled or muddy uh, it's it's muddy okay all right all right, uh, then a reading you're familiar with, we have point of view for the trauma and aftermath. Hey, it's it's Bruce for all of this. Yeah. Which means that for the emotional abuse and medical trauma, it's not the perspective of the person who went through it. And then for parental death, it is the perspective of the person who went through it. And then we also talked about an additional character who went through this. Um, all right, then... Uh, a, a fun new segment that we have, which is the trope spotter, where I talk about a trope that's in the book uh, in a non-spoiler way. So the trope spotter for this book is a secret underground passage. Uh, it's fun. We love a good secret underground passage. This one is briefly present. And all right. So thing that I will confess, uh, when they found this secret underground passage, I was like, is this him finding the Batcave? <laughs> it's not. Uh, 
it's not. This is this is different. This is something totally different. But it is a secret underground passage. Uh, so that was fun. All right. What was your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Uh, hmm. That's that's a difficult question to answer. Actually, it's very. Mm. Uh, is it difficult because you didn't have a favorite, or because you couldn't find a thing that's not traumatic? I mean, my brain, my brain works with like six degrees of separation. So anything in Batman's story, I'm like, that's trauma. Uh, <laughs> it is Bruce's. It, it, it and otherwise, it's like weird to say it's a favorite thing because it's a thing that I notice. It's a thing that I love and the thing that I don't like. Uh. Bruce's ingenuity, his clear love mm. and smarts. I loved the fact that after, at a certain point when he has a certain amount of knowledge, Bruce should always be the smartest person in any room. Uh, and But he's also a teenager, uh, and he also right. likes someone. So that clearly clouds his judgment, and it's very apparent. Uh, so... yeah. Uh, there was some stuff, but I liked the, any nod to what Bruce would f- do in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of how the book ended with, uh, him not doing Batman training, but that was fine. It's not the point of the book. Uh. Right. Yeah. Any scene where we get to see Bruce use his brain because a lot of stories have him like, not really comics, but the movies have him just be a muscled brute, but he's the world's greatest detective. So it's nice to have him do some detectiving. Uh. My favorite non-traumatic thing is just, okay, it might be slightly traumatic for Bruce, but just how good Madeline is at playing him was just, was really fun. I liked it a lot. Like, you know, exact backstories aside, I don't know, it felt like, you know, at the end of the book, she was going to turn out to be Catwoman or something. I, I like, I like that. That's not what's happening, but it had kind of the like, oh, like, here's how this version of the character would start to kind of have a thing for emotionally complicated, very dangerous women who uh, could uh, totally beat him up and wreck him but he's still very interested but are more interested with right, playing then. with his emotions <laughs> yeah exactly all right so david thank you so much for joining us to talk about batman nightwalker and uh our audience we will catch you in a fortnight and if you can't bear to away from us for that long you could become a patron at the level that gives you bonus episodes and you can get bonus episodes and hear more of david talking with us about books all right go to their youtube channel and watch all their live streams where you get to see my personality more yeah it'll be great catch you in a fortnight
All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at ko-fi.com slash booksthatburn or becoming a monthly supporter on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list, bonus content, including the second half of all interviews, and will receive a one-time shout-out. To get updates on our written reviews, recent episodes, and newly completed transcripts, subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening. This helps people to find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.